Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, back from vacation. Dame, do I look refreshed? Yes, but that could just be the best intro music because of the best intro music in the game. Potentially. Uh, Dame, hello. Welcome to the last week of July 2021. How are you, my friend? I am looking forward to the weekend. We have a big city swim meet this oh. weekend where the Aqua Duns are looking to uh, have a good showing. The Soccer Duns uh, season is about to fire up here in, in uh, our area of the town. Dame, uh, we have a big part, uh, a big, big show today. We've got a lot, several segments. We've got several topics, a lot to catch up on. You and I have not seen each other, talked to each other. Uh, in a couple weeks. So it's it's nice to see you. Uh, Jameson, welcome back to the program. Jameson sent us a very nice email in the last couple weeks. Jameson, we appreciate you. Congratulations on all uh, you and your wife's hard work on uh, your financial situation. Uh, and while you tried to give us some credit for helping with that, we will not accept any of that credit. It is your work. Uh, Danza, Faya, Faya, Faya. Good day to you, Danza. All right. So uh, Dame, we're just starting the show. That's where we're at. All right. Have you noticed it? By the way, I'm actually talking about our business here for a moment. I don't know why I'm letting everyone in on this conversation. Lots of cases this week. Yes, it's been a very, very active week for my team. We're uh, helping people left and right. For those that don't know, uh, we have two uh, companies. One is called Your Money Line, which is a, uh, a, a helpline for employees to call us and their employers are the one who pays for it. It's an employee benefit. And so we've got <clears throat> a lot of people who have access to that line and te uh, Dame's team answers that phone and he, uh, handles emails on a regular basis. And we also have Hey Money, which is just the consumer version of that. If you're interested in that, go to callheymoney.com and uh, that's what we do. All right, Dame, I'm going to uh, get ready to start the timer here so we can uh, time the segment so we can start the show. Should uh, should we make the announcement on a time change for next week now before we forget? Oh, go ahead. Uh, so this is the last week, everyone, that we are doing a show recording on live on Facebook and YouTube at noon Eastern, noon-ish Eastern. We're close enough. Next week, beginning next week, uh, whatever, August, whatever day that is, mm -hmm. 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern. So if you're on the West Coast, that's going to be an early call, but it's worth it. Yeah. Waking up with Peter there is what go. we're going to call that. Always good to wake up with Peter. Peter in the morning. Okay. Uh, Danza, yes, your employer does need to get your money line. Call us at, okay, uh, let's start the show in three. Two, oh, let's put a banner up so it looks nicer on uh, the, the Facebook. Okay, in three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and here's what will happen. I... I Several things could happen, and one of them includes us reading your email on the air and answering it. And by we, I mean Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money, joins me now. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. All right. We, we do actually have a tremendous number of questions this week and an old man gripey gripe uh, for me. I don't know when it's going to come, but I'm fired up. It's been burning my giddy up all morning. It's so, a good one. It's yeah. a good one. Dear Pete, my daughter and her husband keep bringing up the concept of an early inheritance. 
Uh, my husband and I do plan on leaving them and our son's family, whatever is left over upon my and my husband's death, but we don't really feel compelled to give either child money now. I feel like I'd grow to resent their financial decisions as I already view their financial prudence to be lacking. Yet she keeps bringing it up. Am I being selfish? Dame, this is called a living inheritance. And I have to say it is increasing in popularity where uh, uh, the older generation has accumulated wealth, maybe even great wealth. And instead of waiting to pass on that wealth to the next generations, Upon their death, they're like, you know what? I want to see you have fun with it now. And so they began an aggressive gifting, uh, an inheritance scheme. And so uh, that's where we're at. That's the score. Before we get going on this, any general thoughts uh, about what you've just heard? Who's it really growing in popularity with? That, that's my, I mean, is this just uh, an idea that was foisted upon the generation that will be moving on to po- post-retirement sooner uh, than, than their kids. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, it feels, it feels uncomfortable. All right. Well, it apparently old man gripey Peter is going to be here earlier than I thought, you know, Dame, I'm with you there. This feels like uh, a contrived trend where people are like, you know what people are doing and is there uh, this is giving their money to people like me, dad, right now, uh, as opposed to waiting until you're dead? Dame, I don't think this is really a thing. No, it feels like a fake holiday almost, you know, like Valentine's. It's just something that was created totally. to try and generate some something for someone else's best interest. I, I can't... <sighs> I can't imagine. I mean, sure, there may be some tax reasons for some people in certain situations to start giving some money away ahead of time. But, I, man, this is greedy. Am I... You know why that? it's you know why it's so uncomfortable. There's first I, I, you talk about made up holidays. The greatest worst made up holiday of all time is Sweetest Day. Oh yeah. That fake Valentine's Day in the fall. Yeah. When Mrs. Planner and I first started dating in college, some other young man sent her a sweetest day card, and I never heard of it. I'm like, well, who's who's this guy? Right. <laughs> and I'm still upset. And by the way, uh, just yesterday was Mrs. Planner and I's 21st wedding anniversary. Congratulations. So needless to say, keep your sweetest day card, right. Gary, or whatever the hell your name is. Okay. Dave, here's why this is so uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because uh, the lady's name is Mary from Alexandria, Virginia, who actually emailed us. Mary parented the person putting her in a bad situation, right? So it's it's not only it's like, hey, kid, you're, you're putting me in a jam here, but Mary has to be introspective about it and be like, yeah, we sort of helped create the sort of person who would ask for an inheritance now. And, and you know, within this email, you get the idea that her, her son-in-law and her daughter aren't doing poorly. They just want some money now. And if they aren't really good with their money now, then why would you give them money now? Totally. I, why in the world would you just add additional fuel to that fire if you perceive and your perceptions, right? that they are uh, not the most judicious with the resources that they've already uh, earned for themselves. I mean, if you 
really are concerned about it, maybe end up putting those assets in a trust to where they only get certain amounts of money long term. And I mean, would it be vindictive? Eh, no, not at all. Not at all. Would it be in their best interest? Perhaps it would ensure a longer term stream of income for that uh, individual family. But holy smokes, thinking about asking your parents to start just handing over cash that you for some reason think you're going to get or entitled to is just not something I hope my kids ever do to me. So years ago, and that's how I answered the, uh, the email in my column in USA Today this week. That's where this one is from. Uh, uh, years ago, Mrs. Planner gave me this article uh, that she read about the mislabeling of millennials. Miss, uh, millennials are often called entitled, like they're an entitled generation. And in this article went on, this, this essay said they are not entitled, they're expectant, you know, and, and which in some ways is good and in some ways is bad. I don't view Mary's daughter as entitled. I view her as expectant. She just expects that that's what's going to happen. She, she doesn't necessarily feel entitled to it. She just has done the math. She says, uh, my parents are older than me. My parents have done pretty well and they are going to die and I will likely still be alive. And naturally the money will come to me. So I, I think this is a, an expectancy issue. I also think the longer Mary lets her consistently bring this up, the worse this is getting. She needs to slap it down when your kids are like, can we get a hedgehog? And you're like, no, we're not getting a hedgehog. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, we'd even buy hedgehog food. She needs to slap it down immediately. Do you know what we need to do, Pete? Yes. We, you do? Uh, dance? Well, I, where, where, where are you going with this? I, I think we need to create an addition to Hey Money that is just us providing that service for people, slapping down requests on their behalf yeah. with voicemails or, uh, <laughs> you know. Can we try it right now? Can I, can I leave a voicemail, a fake voicemail? Uh, you, do you want me to make the call or, or do you want to leave a voicemail for somebody asking this question? This is what I would leave on someone's voicemail yes, if they bought our service. Yeah. Hey, Mary's daughter, Kim, this is Peter Dunn. How are you? You Look, I was talking to your mom the other day and she mentioned your interest in a living inheritance. I just want to give you a quick buzz to say no way. That is absurd. You are uncouth. I hope you have a great Friday. Um, wear masks. Stay six feet apart from people and wash your hands. Kim, it's nice talking to you. Please don't call me. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I might have added you'll have to do it the old-fashioned way and just wait for your mom to die uh, to, to add maybe a little bit of guilt to that. Uh, but no, I, I think that was spot on. I, that's a, that is an ad right there if I've ever heard one. You know, the other element to this that is worth actually a, a sort of a technical visit is that Mary would not be the first person in the world to overestimate her financial stability. Uh, meaning even if she thought this was a good idea, if living inheritances were a thing, couldn't you conceivably see parents doing it when they shouldn't and then compromising their own financial situation? Cause then Mary's in the jam where in order for her money to work out, she has to die because she's run out of money. Yeah. I've seen, uh, arrangements where, Something very similar happened. Uh, some some of the uh, people that got the inheritance early 
took it, but they had to sign an agreement that they would fund bills if the uh, the person that gave them the inheritance needed it in the future. That that's a thing. I've I've seen it done once. Oof. Anyway, so there's the question: uh, living inheritance. Is it a trend? I don't think so. I, I think it's like when your kids tell you like, hey, all the kids at school are doing this. It's like, well, no, they aren't. You just want a hedgehog. All right, Dame, coming up after the break, uh, a question about risk tolerance for really wealthy people who are getting older. That's what we're talking about next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. You know, first segment back from vacation. I wasn't too shabby. I feel, I feel like we are getting our legs back. My voice isn't all the way back. I've got that cross-country flight uh, voice going on. I just assumed it was all the rave dance parties you were at while you were gone. I consumed copious amounts of fermented grape juice oh. last week. Well, <laughs> it was well, great. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. I also I honestly had one of the finest meals I've ever had. And I'm going to give, at the risk of being who I am, uh, a little food snob. I, I am going to give a, a restaurant recommendation here on the air. All right, let's hear it. Republique. Republique. It mm -hmm. is in uh, the La Brea section of uh, LA, downtown. It, well, not downtown, but in LA, La Brea. Uh, unbelievable restaurant. One of the best I've ever had in my life. It was so great. I'll make sure to set a reservation there for later this week. I'm not sure you would like it. Although they did have a butter course. Did they mm, Did they have uh, macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream? No, they didn't. I, okay. I, I will let you know that uh, I have received feedback from listeners that your take on macaroni and cheese ice cream is way out of line. Uh, next segment. And, oh, I got to pull up the email. Uh, do, 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 do. I know the podcast listeners love the behind the scenes. Pete trying to find an email. Uh, da, da. You know, I'm trying to figure out which one I want to read. Did you read them? I did. Do you like investment strategy or do you like um, investment strategy after retirement better? Now you're making us both. All right. I'm doing investment strategy. Okay. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions. That's what we do. One time uh, someone was like, what do you do? And I'm like, I, you know, I'm a planner. They're like, uh, well, what's it called? I was like, well, Pete the Planner. They're like, like a wedding planner? And it's like, no, no, financial. Okay. Dame, here's an email. Peter. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. I don't like that. My wife calls me Peter, and that's about the extent of it. I don't know if I've ever called you Peter. Maybe the, mm, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's the very select few people call yeah. me that. My wife and I have about two and a half million dollars in the stock market made up of IRAs and joint accounts. I've always just bought and sold stock on my own. I, by the way, I just thought of a joke as I'm reading this. If you owned cannabis stocks, would you hold them in a joint account? I was trying to put the dots together there very well. You did very well. Our portfolio is made up of index funds and conservative dividend paying stocks. All dividends are reinvested. Drips. Uh, we, however, are now in our 70s. I have defined pension plans that exceed our living expenses and own our home with no credit card bills. Our medical bills are primarily Medicare and TRICARE for life. I continually turn down my last company's medical insurance, and for this, they supplement me in an additional sum each year. I basically want this guy's inheritance. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. We have a son and two grandkids. 
that we would like to leave our state to. Uh, and we have prepaid college plans paid for both grandchildren. Oh my gosh, Gramps. I see myself investing for the long term as I don't require any money from the portfolio. My question is, is this the right strategy? Should I be investing in a less aggressive manner? My portfolio is made up of 30% index funds, 24% Microsoft, uh, and the rest all American companies, mostly, mostly dividend stalwarts. I can't say that word well because I want to pronounce the A at the end mm -hmm. instead of saying wart, wart, stalwarts. Mm -hmm. Is this too aggressive? Of course, I've been doing well in the market, but I don't kid myself. That is because of the markets have been going uh, so well. Uh, from Mike, this is a great question. I appreciate Mike's uh, Mike's uh, honesty, saying that it, it he's he's doing well because the markets are doing well. Right. However, I mean, with his allocation, yeah, I mean, it, I would expect him to be just absolutely crushing it right now. And is that aggressive? I don't know. Is one hundred percent equities uh, aggressive, Pete? Uh, it is. It, it is. Um, it, it's interesting, right? Because you can be aggressive within your allocation, and then even within those uh, asset classes, you can be aggressive. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. I would say his allocation itself is theoretically too aggressive. However, this is just an inheritance play. I sure. mean, not Mary's daughter's inheritance, but it is an inheritance play. No. I he has no need for this money at this point. So what I would encourage him to do is just start identifying goals of what he wants to do with it. Is it strictly inheritance? Is it uh, charitable giving at some point? Does he want to endow some scholarship somewhere? Um, there's got to be there's got to be some use, some defined purpose for that money to start deciding whether or not the money is invested appropriately. If it's just sitting out there to. Um, grow indefinitely for some undefined period of time who cares let it go and, and let it grow continue to just absolutely rocket to the sky in times like these and then it's going to get beat up and in times when there's the inevitable pullback in the market so to figure this out i think mike has to start defining some goals and what the purposes of that's going to be and if it's inheritance maybe you get the kids involved and figure out what they uh, what they want to see happen or what their individual risk tolerances are, even though it doesn't really matter to them at this point. Um, what a great problem to have though. Yeah. You know, we always talk about during your work career, you're part of the accumulation phase of your life, right? You're accumulating assets. And then theoretically, second time I've said that word, this segment at retirement or at financial independence, then you enter what we call the distribution phase, right? Mm -hmm. I would argue that this is identifying a third lesser used phase, which is um, creating an estate, like, like creating generational wealth. Like there is no distribution happening here. He's even reinvesting the dividends. Um, so I think you're right, Dame. I, I think this is about investment objective is not income. It's not liquidity you could argue it's aggressive growth. You, you absolutely could. And I don't, let, let's say, honestly, let's say his portfolio tanks 80% right now. Other than a lot of Mylanta, 
his financial situation is not actually affected. His day-to-day is not impacted. No, not at all. And what we don't see in this email, I don't think, is what percentage of this money is inside of a qualified account? And what what's just uh, non-qualified? Because at some point, there's going to if if there is someone qualified, there's going to be uh, require minimum distributions, which will uh, present the opportunity to start doing something with the cash uh, in almost a, a forced sort of way. Sure, you could uh, reinvest the money into a non-qualified account if he if he wanted to after the the tax has been paid on it. But if that money's been freed up and distributed. Yeah, maybe you start looking at opportunities to um, you know, benefit those that are around you. So, yeah, if, if there is long-term aspirations here, I think you're as aggressive as you want to be with it because everything else is kind of covered. The other technical issue at play here is the concept of time horizon, right? Mm-hmm. You say, you know, typically when you look at a retirement and in the assets that fund a retirement, the time horizon is when you use the asset. So, we'll say age 67 and beyond. That's not this person's time horizon. And what's even more complex about this is when Mike dies, goes to post-retirement, his son's time horizon isn't at the time of Mike's death. No. So, so uh, that's why I would just keep going. This is not the recommendation that we would have for most people because most people are not in this situation. Like there is... Zero reason, in my opinion, to take his foot off the gas. Financial pro- uh, financial planner problem here coming up. Can you imagine opening an account for Mike at his age? Oh my gosh, I know where you're going with this. With this risk, with this level of risk exposure, trying to get suitability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, I actually I've tried that before. Um, so for those that don't, actually, this is sort of a, an interesting topic. Um, For those that don't know, uh, in the financial industry, when you are putting through trades or making investments on people's behalf, uh, depending on how you're registered and and whatnot, you have to prove, you you have to be able to display that a trade or an investment is a suitable investment uh, for that person. And that is a rather complex process. As a young financial advisor, which A, I'm not young, and B, I'm not a financial advisor, but when I was a young financial advisor, I I don't wanna say I was dismissive of that process, but it just seemed like an unnecessary roadblock because of my own immaturity. But the longer I was in the business and the, the more I understood, the more I matured, the more I realized that's a really important step of the process, but it is also one that would be a nightmare if Mike were your client, because your suitability and your compliance department would be like, I don't think this is right. And then you'd have to write a four page narrative as to why it made sense. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those road, uh, road bumps or roadblocks or put in way, uh, to try and protect the consumer, the, the investor at this point. And it's one just like you that I considered a thorn in my side, uh, for a long time, but it's, it's really there for a fantastic purpose. I love this email. I'm really into it. I, I I would have to admit though, if we're gonna pick Mike's situation apart, to have twenty four percent of your wealth tied up in one company, albeit uh, a legendary holding, uh, Microsoft MSFT. I, I, that that's a little that's a little weird. Maybe you work there. Coming up after the break, old man Gripey Peter returns from vacation. He's tanned, but he's mad. I'm Pete the Planner. Oh my God, that was really good. That was solid. Like, that was pretty good. You are not tanned. 
I'm not. My freckles came out though. Did they? Yeah, I'd show you, but I'd have to do the cross hand shirt takeoff. I didn't have my shirt off. Actually, I did. We were in Pasadena and uh, we're in my brother-in-law's house. And so uh, Mrs. Planner and I are out for a run through this neighborhood in Pasadena. And I'm like, I'm taking my shirt off because no one here knows this body. I promptly got back to my brother-in-law's house and put my shirt on so that my sister-in-law was just not tempted by this. Exactly. This glistening, gleaming mayonnaise-covered body. All right, Dame. Um, that was a little much. Man. Uh, okay, let's do this. I'm, I'm looking at the. Oh, you know what? We're going to answer this question from Allison. Okay. Uh, okay. What to do with extra cash? But I'm going to gripe first. Okay. Okay. Uh, did, did, uh, where did I slack the team this morning? The FC team. There we go. Oh, yes. Oh, it's old time gravy time. And oh, hello, Mr. Pinkins. Good to see you. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, you know, something came across my desk this morning that caused me to go, you have got to be kidding me. And that's why we're introducing once again everyone's favorite segment old man gripey peter and that's what's about to happen dame you know we trust our finances and our our lives to financial institutions uh from time to time whether it be a mortgage company or a bank or a credit union or a financial advisor and we hope that in good faith they encourage us to do smart things now, you and I both know that that is not always the case, right? It, it is not always the case in a financial institution. So it's like we have accounts at Chase Bank, like Mrs. Planner and I do. Uh, from time to time, as you know, Chase will send me an email that says, you deserve that Maserati. Mm-hmm. I've sent you this email yes, it to several times. And it's consistently a Maserati. Chase wants really? me to buy a Maserati. Yes, like several times. Huh. Don't get me wrong. I would love a Maserati. I'm not going to buy a Maserati. And I also don't want my financial guide. My bank is not my financial guide, but I don't want my financial partner, also not my, to tell me to buy a Maserati. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. So a local credit union, which will not be named, I so want to name them, uh, sent out an email newsletter this week to its members. That's right. You're a member of a credit union. And the the rub with credit unions is this. What they say is you get treated differently than you do at a bank because they're not interested in their shareholders because you are their shareholders because you're their depositors. You are their members. You benefit more than what you would under a banking relationship. And I will say anecdotally, from my opinion, Damon, you can have your opinion. I, I do believe credit unions, for the most part, tend to have better corporate ethics than a lot of banks. Yeah, it's uh, in fact for uh, my family, that's our primary banking relationship is with the credit union as well, and we've been very pleased with uh, with the relationship that we've had as well as the activity of the bank in the community. So this email subject line for this newsletter that came across from a credit union to its members left me feeling nauseous. Are you ready? Please use your home equity. Oh, oh I, I misspoke it. There's a possessive there. Use your home's equity to get away. They're encouraging their members to use a home equity line of credit to go on vacation. There has to be more to that. There's no way. Did you read everything or is just the headline? Because there has to be more. 
Look, I don't have any more than that. A financial institution couldn't be that irresponsible. But they also, to, to even make it, let, let's say you're right. Let's say it's like a, a turn of phrase and you click on it and, and, and it's like, this isn't what you thought. That <laughs> itself would be irresponsible to use this as clickbait That's because true. morons like me sometimes only read the headlines. That is true. I, regardless, I, I was hopefully, uh, I was saying what I said m most in hope, but it really doesn't surprise me that an institution did this. That's bothersome. Very. So there's old man gripey meter. I don't want you to use your home equity line for a vacation, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, hey, Pete, this is Allison from episode 177 of the podcast. So Dane, back on this show back in the day, uh, we had two podcasts a week. One was the show. Mm -hmm. One was the radio show like this. And the other one was uh, I would talk to a person. Mm -hmm. uh, it was called Million Dollar Day, Day yeah. Plan. I don't know. No one knows. And I would just walk through their situation. I would tell them the day they're going to be a millionaire based on a formula we created. And it was a lot of fun. So this is Allison from there. We discussed, uh, she says, we discussed on my episode, Deceased Pets and Retiring at 62. I'm going to go listen to 177 after the show. You know, it's funny. Uh, if I I, I I have a terrible memory, you know this, right? <laughs> um, the fact that she said we talked about deceased pets and retiring at 62 seems rather consistent with what this show has to offer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> Absolutely not. Financially, things are going well. My investable assets have increased from 288000 to approximately 575000 the main advice you gave me was don't let my lifestyle increase as I got raises, et cetera. I've been trying to follow that advice. Also, it's rather consistent with what this program has to offer. I'm looking at paying off my house in the next year or so. That will free up about $15,000 a year for me. I currently max out my TSP. Well, that tells you about what this person does for a living. Uh, my catch-up contributions, and I throw about $1,500 a year into my Roth IRA. I would like to save more cash, so I have a larger cash cushion of up to $50,000, which would be a $30,000 increase. So this person has twenty grand set aside. Uh, invest it into a newly opened brokerage account and max out my Roth IRA. IRA. What would you do with the $15,000? Max the Roth and divide the rest. Divide it equally amongst all three goals. Any other ideas? Thanks for your help. Allison, so Dame, here are your choices for this extra 15000 Put money in the Roth IRA, uh, increase the cash account, or open a brokerage account. All right, what, 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 uh, what do you think? Option number one, increase the Roth, or max the Roth. I, th I think maxing the Roth is the right uh, decision at this point. 20000 uh, in the cash cushion uh, at this point is probably very adequate for an emergency fund, but I do not want to downplay the uh, the desire to have a larger pool of cash to pull on uh, if, if it was ever needed in the future, especially if there may be other expenses coming up, like you want to pay for a car in cash or anything of that. Uh, but I think the long-term advantages to maxing out that Roth for a, a relatively small portion of the $15,000 that we're talking about should be priority number one for Allison. You and I have talked about a lot of financial topics over the years that we have known each other and worked together. And, and there's many times we've not talked about, but we just share a bra uh, brain length. So I, I'm pretty sure that we uh, we agree on these. 
how often with that piece of advice do you just gave, do you consider the fact that if they, if she does the Roth, she could always just pull her deposits back out if she so needed. I mean, is, is that a consideration you make? It is in the back of my mind. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily encourage it uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, it's more accessible money. Uh, it's uh, money that's saved for a long-term goal, but if the absolute worst happens, you need to go raid that cash for something. It's there. You can get those contributions back out and use it for whatever it needs to and hopefully iron out whatever bumps you seem to be going over at that point. You would never call it a nice emergency fund by using a Roth IRA. However, it could be used that way, especially for someone who, who has all of their other stuff together. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a place that you could go to get some some needed cash if you absolutely had to, but that's not the purpose of the account. Let's, let's just be honest with it. It's, it's a, uh, it's a nice feature to be able to use if, if the time is ever present to use it, but let's try not to. I'm still stuck on the, the fact that on episode 177 of our podcast, I discussed deceased pets with someone I, that really like when I read this email this week, I was like, yeah, I think I probably did. I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind. You did. She didn't make that up. There's no way. Yeah. What a weirdo I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is interesting because the I, when I read this email, what sort of sticks out to me is her post 59 and a half life will be very financially secure. Right. I mean, it, the, from the TSP, she likely has a pension mm -hmm. like sh she's good to go. And, and arguably, depending on when she d retires or chooses to, to step away, it could be 55 or after. Sure. So I think what her situation calls for the most is flexibility. Like, and, and the Roth happens to be pretty darn flexible, even though we don't want people to get too flexible with it. It's, it's pretty stinking flexible. The brokerage account isn't a bad idea. I do think she needs, like you said, to, to focus a little bit on getting a little bit more cash heavy. I think having $50,000 in an emergency fund heading into retirement years is a lot better than having $20,000. Uh, and, and I would say for some couples and depending on where you live, I, I like that number closer to a hundred. Uh, but if you're a single person and I don't remember where Allison lives, although there was a deceased pet involved, so she might live near the pet cemetery. Uh, 50 is, uh, at the very least somewhat adequate Dame. Let's do this. Let's come back after the break with biggest waste of money of the week and current events. All that is next right here on the Pete, the planner show. I'm Pete, the planner. These out, I mean, these outros this week are just phenomenal. You needed a break. It came back and you're just on your game. Very nice. Uh, all right. Uh, da, 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 da. This week's biggest waste of money of the week is going to anger people. Actually, it's, it's just going to anger one industry. And there are people within that industry. Industry. Uh, excellent. It, and it will make people think I'm a boomer. Oh. Even more so. All right. Yeah. When we were, we landed in LA, we're driving to where we were going and my kids, like we were just, just got in the rental car. My kids just were like, wonder if we'll see any influencers. And then they'd see like a Tesla, like influencers drive Teslas. And I'm like, you guys, this is going to be a long trip. No one can say the word influencer again. 
right? You can't say it. Cause I mean, it was like 30 times, 10 minutes into the trip, influencer, influencer. I'm like, I hate that that exists. Did, uh, did you fly into or out of LAX at night? Uh, we flew out at night. Yes. That's LA has got to be one of the prettiest cities to fly out of at night or into yeah. at night. It's gorgeous. Uh, I was asleep at takeoff because wow. I'm a professional. We what took the red eye home. I tried to put hair on my kids' chests. I'm sure they were appreciative. Yeah, Ted was not feeling that. No. Ted actually was crying himself to sleep. But you know what? That's why I sat in a different row. All right. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the shoe. I can't read. (laughs) The Shoe Surgeon Creators Academy. That's the Shoe Surgeon Creators Academy. Dame, try to say shoe surgeon three times fast. No, I won't. Shoe surgeon, shoe surgeon, <laughs> shoe <No>. surgeon. <laughs> Dominic, the shoe surgeon, Sam Brone is known for his custom takes on iconic sneakers like the Air Jordan and Air Force One. Now he's offering aspiring artists a chance to learn from him and his team. The Surgeon Creators Academy classes are four day experiences that teach students how to fully deconstruct and reconstruct sneakers each course includes a pair of shoes to customize a shoemaking toolkit unlimited leather to use during the class a sewing boot camp a guide on where to source materials and tools daily breakfast lunch and beverages and a private dinner networking event hosted by the surgeon himself and his team dame what do you think it costs for four days at the Shoe Surgeons Creators Academy. I don't know. Working with an influencer like this sounds oh, like it's got to no. be. Uh, $999. Oh, that would be a steal. It's over $5,000 to spend four days with a person who's going to teach you how to sew. Let me tell you this. I don't remember my middle school home ec teacher's name. I think it was Mrs. Davis. And you know what? It seems rude to tell uh, people, a large number of people, oddly, they don't remember a person's name. I don't remember her name, and I'm sorry. But she taught me how to sew, and it wasn't five grand. In fact, I sewed a beautiful blue whale pillow, uh, and I am very proud of that blue whale pillow. You could make a hamburger, a blue whale pillow, or something else. And she did not charge me five grand. And I did not have to say the shoe surgeon. I just had to say her name, of which I cannot remember. I think I made a basketball, maybe? Like a a stuffed basketball, not an actual sweatshop basketball. Did you did you have uh, a home ec class? They, they don't call it that. It's family consumer science or something yeah. now. They don't call it home economics. Did you have that course? I did. Do you remember your teacher's name? Of course. What was it? What I have is no it? idea. <laughs> See, I, I remember. I feel really bad now. I don't Wait. remember the. What's in the news this week, Dan? Uh, Robinhood made its initial public offering Thursday. It targeted a thirty-eight dollar open and closed the day at. $34.82. That's down 8.4%. That happens to be the worst debut on record among 51 U.S. firms that raised as much cash as Robinhood or more, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. While Robinhood is dealing with 10 or so civil lawsuits, as well as some recent bad press about their CEO not having his securities licenses, 
many were still bullish on seeing a pop in the price after one day of trading. So to keep things interesting, Pete and I made a little wager with each other on the closing price, whether it would be higher or lower than the IPO of $38. Being a good employee with my own longevity in mind, I let Pete pick first. And of course, he took the reasonable position of taking the lower under $38, which left me with losing. It left me with losing. So if we really want to disclose how this went down, when as we bet over Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, we... I said $34 would be the closing price, and it was actually 34 and change. Mm -hmm. I think what we should have done is set the over under at 34, and I should have taken the under. So I, even though I won based on the rules of how we set this up, I think you should have won because I said 34, and it was actually above 34. Yeah, I, I don't know. But that wasn't how we bet. So since I lost, I am now morally obligated to read the following statement that was yes. prepared for me. Pete, you are clearly superior in your ability to predict prices and outcomes of certain stocks. You are not only a brilliant financial mind, but an exceptional leader with dashingly good looks who inspires everyone he talks. What? I'm no, I, you know what? Take, take, take my pay cut and, and I'm not reading that anymore. What else is in the news? Uh, Jassic Olzak, the CEO of uh. Marlboro maker, Philip Morris told British newspaper, the mail that this week, the company will stop selling cigarettes in Britain over the next 10 years. Yes, you heard that right. Marlboro is urging the British government or Philip Morris is urging the government to treat cigarettes like fossil fuel cars and basically regulate them to death because the government is also banning the sales of gasoline power vehicles in 2030. Pete, how would middle school Pete have reacted hearing that his, his company, his holding is trying to work themselves out of business? I would have been very pro deregulation. Uh, you know, I read that story this week when it came out and I can't get my head around it, honestly, because the question was then asked, does this include e-cigarettes too? And I don't remember her answer on that. I think it's a her. Yeah, they were working towards being a, believe it or not, I think they call it a health wellness company is what they're trying oh to God. transition to, which I, I don't even know if I can put those two together. You know, I was at a Walgreens this morning. And I noticed that they still sell tobacco products where, where CBS has, you know, does not sell mm -hmm. tobacco products. It, it's a little, uh, it is what it is. Uh, it's a little weird that a health and wellness company, like actually like a Walgreens does sell tobacco products. I guess you could say the same thing about selling alcohol, but alcohol does not lead to uh, lung cancer. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that a little weird that Walgreens still sells tobacco? Yeah, I, it's odd. I mean, yeah, alcohol leads to cirrhosis of the liver and all that great stuff, but that yeah. just seems weird. I don't know. What else is in the news? In March, the U.S. government provided an additional $300 a week to unemployed workers through September to blunt the impact of the economic downturn. Many states chose to end those benefits this summer, arguing they were a major contributor to widespread labor shortages. Did cutting those benefits boost hiring? Well, economists are scrambling to figure it out on Tuesday. We got a preliminary answer that's just as nuanced as the question. Extra unemployment insurance, uh, sorry, unemployment insurance didn't impact overall job growth, but it did cause a reshuffling of the type of people who were 
working in states that ended the extra unemployment uh, early hiring for adult workers 25 or older increased the week governors said they were cutting benefits but it returned to typical levels once the benefits actually expired at the same time the hiring of teenagers age 15 to 19 jumped in the states that didn't cut the benefits and overall employment growth in the states that ended the enhanced unemployment early and states that are keeping it until september has been roughly equal you know i saw a story this week and it uh, today actually that had me wondering about this topic <laughs> and it was that the eviction moratorium is coming to an end mm-hmm. um very soon like very soon meaning if you're not paying your rent your landlord will now have the right to evict you once again once again have the right to evict you for financial reasons, for non-payment. And, and during the pandemic, they, they couldn't do so based on this uh, moratorium. I think it's gonna be very interesting to overlay data with this idea and unemployment. I think it'll be really interesting to see, is there a portion of the population or better yet, what percentage of the population is choosing not to work because their largest financial obligation has has not been their responsibility, and that that seems very cynical. And I I, I say it with kid gloves, honestly. Like, I just wonder, and I'm anxious to see what the data says. There are so many great uh, pieces of data that we're going to get in the next few years, and to see how this all impacted folks, but. Uh, um, there is a bit of coldness when we talk about them as well, and that's certainly not our intent. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think about the aftermath of this whole period of time a lot uh, for a lot of reasons, but it's the economic data that I think people are going to argue about for the next 200 years. <laughs> oh, yeah, there will be yeah. lessons on it for sure. All right, Dan, that's all we have time for this week on the show. So I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. It's a pretty solid show for taking a week off. It's almost like I needed a week off. I wasn't going to say it, although I already did. Uh, all right, Dame. What do you got planned this weekend? Anything good? Aquaduns. I already told you. Oh, yeah, Aquaduns. I, I mean, that's what your kids are doing, but then you vicariously get wet. Or Do you, do you I, wear a Speedo when they swim? Uh, yes, I paint my chest, and I'm uh, running tech, so there's a good chance you'll see me on camera at some point, too. Uh, remember next week we switch our time of our live broadcast goes to 10 a.m. Is that right? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Eastern. T- 10 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Uh, if you're wondering why, a few reasons. All right. That's it, Dame. Everybody else, stay getting money.